We'll turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Of course, we're uh, studying the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. And, of course, this is still at the beginning, early of his ministry. He's gone to the uh, long sloping hill on the side of the north side, basically, of the Sea of Galilee. He is giving principles of righteousness and principles to how to live righteously as those who belong to the kingdom of God. We call this the Sermon on the Mount. And we're at the end of this. In fact, that today we'll finish that part. And if you look in your Bible, that's, that's three chapters uh, of Jesus' teaching. And uh, it's a long discourse. Last time, he put together a summary. I mean, he just made a statement that's really a summary statement upon how we as believers should treat each other. And in Matthew seven twelve, he says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Most of us think that's do unto others as you'd have them do unto to you. And that's how we treat each other. He then... We ended last week with this summary statement about access into the kingdom, and it was the ending by enter by the narrow way. If you look at verse 13 and 14, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Many enter it, but the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find that. And so we talked about the narrow way. There's a broad way that leads to destruction, a narrow way that leads to life, and of course that life is Jesus Christ, and it's narrow because there's only one way, and that is Jesus himself. And as we look at this passage, we're going to see something like we're going to see two gates and two trees and two professions because the true trees go back to false prophets or a, or a true prophet and their professions, and then the two foundations. And we'll see that as we go through this. And there's a lot in there. And um, when you think about it, that the two gates are the proper entrance. There's a narrow gate rather than broad. There's two trees, two professions. There's a false message and false prophets. And then there's two foundations. There's a proper foundation, which is the rock rather than the sand. And so we're going to look at that as we go through it. And as we look at this passage, there are several famous statements that people use all the time, or that we hear all the time. Enter by the narrow gate. You will know them by their fruits. Build your house upon the rock. So as we see this this morning, we'll see how those fit together. Now, many of you have been here from the start of our church. You know, our church started, this, this fall will be seven years. We were three years meeting at the junior high in different places, and then about a little more than three years ago, we started building this building, or actually got into this building over three years ago. And when you think about it, you say, wow, look at the auditorium and, and the classrooms, and you go down that hall with all that children's stuff, and it's just, it's so exciting. But really, the most important part of the building is the part you don't really see. That's the foundation. And this, they put this foundation in. I remember I came here. It was like 2 or 3 in the morning. They called us and said, if you want to come out, they're fixing to lay the foundation. And so uh, several of us went up there that night. And that was, that was how, what it was looking like. And they were fixing to lay the foundation and bring in all the, the concrete and everything. And then there's that big concrete machine that was putting out all the concrete. And they were doing all that. That was about 2 or 3 in the morning. What we decided to do, we, I think we got there at like 2 in the morning. We watched them start. We said we thought they could handle it. We went to like IHOP, got something to eat came back again to, to see it. But here's something you may not have ever known, but there's a place like right under where we're standing, like right there, there's a place that we took a Bible and we put a Bible in that case and put it under there. And it's a, basically, if they had it measured out, it would be about where the pulpit would be because our church, the foundation of our church, not only the foundation of this building, but the foundation of our church is the Word of God, the Bible. And here's what the Bible looked like. It's opened up to Matthew 28, and that Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is, is basically our purpose, plan, and process of our church. purpose of a church is to, our church is to make disciples. The plan was to equip the believers to do the ministry, and then the process was gathered and scattered, gathered for worship and training, 
scattered for evangelism and service, and we put the bookmark in, which shows people how to study the Bible, observation, interpretation, application. So somewhere in this foundation of this building, right, supposedly right under about where I'm standing now, is that foundation, is that Bible. The truth without the proper foundation, the, 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 the building couldn't make it, but the truth is also without the proper foundation, we couldn't make it. Our foundation is the Word of God. And when we get to the end, Jesus is going to talk about building your life on the rock or building your life on the sand. And the rock is Jesus Christ, and He is the foundation. We build upon that foundation. We put our faith in Jesus Christ as the rock. And let me just show you sort of the outline of today. I'm going to go back real quickly and just touch on the two gates, the narrow gate and the broad gate, and then we'll look at the proper professions. So this is a part that's often misunderstood because He's talking about false prophets. A lot of people don't understand that. We'll look at it in the flow of the passage. Then we'll see the proper foundation, which is, there's two of them, but the one is the rock. And then we're going to talk about the reaction by the people. And they were amazed. They were amazed when they heard what Jesus said. And we've been going over it for weeks now. Of course, we didn't get it all at one time. I guess we could have met one day and said, look, let's bring in food, and we'll be here for about four or five hours, and we'll just teach through the whole thing as if Jesus was teaching it. But, it, you know, it would be a lot better if he was teaching it. But anyway, it's just it's amazing when we look through this. So let's start by just a quick review, and we're going to the proper way, which is the, the, the two gates. And we'll go back again at verses 13 and 14. Right toward the end, Jesus said this. By the way, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And so there are two gates. And a lot of people, when it says enter by the narrow gate, because bright, you know, there's a wide gate that, that leads to destruction, people get confused and they'll say something like, oh, narrow gate. Well, you know, it's real narrow because you've got to live just right and you've got to live good and there's all the rules and everything and you've got to follow those. That's not what he's talking about at all. It's narrow because there's only one way, and that one way is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the, to the Father except through Him. He is the only way to have eternal life. That's why it's narrow, because there's one way. And you know, the broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there's Buddha, and Islam, and New Age, and works, and religion, and all these things that people say you do to get to God, and they all lead to destruction, because they're not the way. The only way to God is through, through Jesus Christ, and it's faith alone, and Christ alone, for eternal life. So he is narrow, and, and when people say, oh, there are a lot of ways to God. No, there's only one way to God. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through me. He is the only way. And that's why it's narrow, not because it's hard in that sense, but it's narrow because it is only one way. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the, there's a wide gate, and it's broad, and it leads to destruction, and a lot of people go that way. But the gate is small, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few who find it. When you think about the world today, uh, how many people... People reject Jesus Christ and try to think that there's other ways to get to God. So the first thing that he says is, listen, there's just one way. It's a narrow way, and it's Jesus Christ. From there, he's going to talk about the, the, the profession, the two trees. There's a good tree with good fruit and bad tree with bad fruits. And what does this mean? And then he's going to end up by talking about the, the rock and the sand, and we'll see how that fits together. So let's talk about this next part because many people pull one verse or two verses out of this next little section and remember, Jesus is teaching, there's a flow, and they make it, try to make it say something it doesn't say. Notice verse 15, he says, beware, beware of false prophets. Now, he's talking about people who are false prophets. We'll talk more about it in just a second. So here's what he's talking about. Beware of false professions, false prophets. There are two trees, which is a, there's a good prophet and a uh, false prophet. And we'll just see, he doesn't really talk about the, the, the good prophets much. He talks about the false prophets and what they do. So he says, beware of false prophets. Who come to you, what, in sheep's clothing? They look like a sheep. 
but inwardly they are wolves. And then he says the thing that messes everybody up when I say, you will know them by their fruits. So let's go back and says, he's talking about false prophets. Now, a prophet is somebody who would give the word of God, give the message of God. I don't, uh, the foundation of the church was the prophets. I don't think there are any prophets today. I think persons like me gets to teach the Bible, and I may tell you the Bible and proclaim the truth of the Bible, but I'm not a prophet. At that time, there were prophets. There were people who claimed to be from God. A false prophet gave a false message, gave an incorrect message. He's giving a warning. He says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Now, I want you to notice that they come in sheep's clothing. They look right. They look good. They look like they're a sheep. Say, we're sheep. They look like a sheep, but they are actually wolves, and you'll know them by the fruit. So false prophets are prophets who gave a false message. I want you to remember that. What you're looking for here is a false message. A prophet who once announced a message from God, a false prophet announces a false message. They look good because they look like sheep. This prophet looks good, but they're giving a false message. There are people out there that look really good, that look really good, but you've got to listen to their message. They may say Jesus a lot. That doesn't mean they're right, so be careful, okay? So that's what he's saying. Watch out. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep, but inwardly they are wolves. How are you going to know them? He says in the next verse, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? He says you will know them by their fruits. And so when they say that, people say, what's their fruits? How many times have you heard people say, you'll know them by their fruits? You can tell whether a person's a believer or not. Look at their lifestyle. See how they live. If they live good, you'll know them by their fruits. That's not what this says at all. In fact, it says just the opposite of that. The fruits in this passage are not their lifestyle because they look like what? Sheep, the, the, the fruits is their message because they're false what? Prophets are giving out a false message. He says, you'll know them by their fruits. See, they look like sheep. There are people out there that look so good. You can turn on the radio, the television, you can pick up a book, and you can start reading, and you say, this looks good. This person looks good. This, this person's saying some, of the, some things that sound right, and then you start listening to their message. So when you hear the word fruits or fruit, sometimes it could be one of two things. It could be their works or it could be their message. Uh, sometimes it, you know, they'll say, if for the life of a believer, what fruit, or, you know, live a fruitful life. But this is talking about the fruit of their message. And in the context of this passage, they're false prophets, and we can tell them by their message, and he calls it the fruits of their message. Now, how do we know it's not their lifestyle? Well, first of all, because they already look like sheep. If you look at their lifestyle, you'd say they're okay. And second is they're doing good things. If you look down at verse 22, listen to what they were doing. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? Does that look good to you? It looks good. If you're looking at lifestyle, you're going to say they're okay. But he didn't say look at lifestyle. He said you will know them by their fruits, and their fruits is their message. That's the key. So fruits is not talking about their lifestyle, but about their message. So the next time you hear somebody say, you'll know them by their fruits, first of all, say, first of all, I want you to understand that it's talking about false prophets. It's not talking about whether you can tell somebody's a believer or not. This is talking about false prophets, and the fruits is not their lifestyle, because they look like sheep. The fruits is their message. So how are we, we going to know it? It's, it's a false message. And then he goes on to say, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. Listen, what's he talking about? He's talking about the messages. Two different messages. Okay, I'm going to give you a message, okay? I'm going to be 
tell me if this is a good message or not. Because I look good, right? Okay? <laughs> Jesus was the best example we could ever have. He came to this earth as the greatest example, and he showed us how we should live. And he gave us some rules to live by. And he told us to be, to be, to follow him. And he said that if you really want to get to God, you need to live in such a way that you treat people nicely. And that if you just, if you just try the best you can and show love to people, because that's all that matters is love. Okay, now that's a message. How's that message? Not a very good message, is it? It sounds okay. But if you listen to that message, you'd say, you know, he looks okay, but that's not, that's not a good message. What if I said this? Listen, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He came to the earth. He's the perfect Son of God. He died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again, conquering death. And the only way to have eternal life is through him and him alone. And it's not our works, but faith alone and Christ alone. Is that a better message? You can tell them by their what? Their message. Listen, when you listen to somebody, you better be listening to what they're saying. Because they may look really good, and they may say the name Jesus a whole bunch of times. But that doesn't mean they're right. And Paul, and, and so what Jesus is saying to the group right here, he says, you're going to know them by their fruits. And they look like, what? Sheep, because they look good. They look good. It's a false message. And so he goes on to say, uh, in verse 18, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And then he says this, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, in this passage, he's basically saying the false prophets will be cut off. And, and some people can say, could, could a person be a prophet or, or a person be teaching things that are wrong, uh, even if they're already Christians? They could. They could be a person who's a believer and trusted Christ, and they got confused, and they're proclaiming messages all the time that are off. But this passage is talking about false prophets who are not going to make it. You know how we know it? He says, he says they're going to be thrown in the fire. What does that mean? You look down a little bit, and he says, Lord, they say in verse 22, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? And he says in verse 23, I never knew you. So in the flow of this passage, he's talking about false prophets who are not believers, who are given a wrong message, and Jesus says, be really careful. Be really careful. They look like sheep. They, give a, they, they, they come, and they look good, and sometimes they, they'll say Jesus' name, and they'll even do some things, but listen carefully to their message. You will know them by their fruit. So verse 20, he sums it up again and says, so then you will know them by their fruits. Now, it's their message. I want to show you that you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 6 is the parallel passage. In other words, if you go to Luke, it's the same event. Luke gives us a little bit more information uh, Look what he says. He says, there's no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. Same passage. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, coming from an end, brings forth what is good. He's talking about his message. Watch. And the evil man, out of his evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. Why? For from his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. It's his mouth. You can tell by the message. So let me tell you. You turn on television, you listen to a podcast, you watch something, you go somewhere. What is the message that the people are saying? It's not how they look, because they look good. And at the time of Jesus, when he's talking about this, there were people who claimed to be prophets all over the place, and he says, you got to be really careful, because they look good, they align, they look, but he said, you'll know them by their fruits. And he goes on to show, because these are false prophets, what's going to happen to them? 
He says in verse 21, See, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. I'll explain it in just a second. He said, listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, I know some people that use that call him the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord Jesus and oh Jesus, we love you and everything else. And yet if you ask them what they believe, they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. In fact, some of them don't believe he's even God and that he died on the cross and paid for sin, and yet they use his name all the time. These false prophets, Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. See, not, not everybody, not those who use the name of Jesus are true prophets. In fact, what is the will of the Father? See, you go, oh, wait a minute. He says, those who do the will of the Father will enter into heaven. What is the will of the Father? John six forty. for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. What is the will of the Father? It is not to do good works. It is not to live a good life. It is not to try to be the best you can be. The will of the Father is to put your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life so you can be saved and saved forever. That's what it's all about. He says, not everybody that uses Jesus' name and Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but you've got to do the will of the Father, which is to believe in the one who he has sent. He goes on to say, look, many will say on that day. What day? It's actually called the great white throne judgment. Believers will stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ, where the word judgment is bima, and it means reward stand. We will stand before our Savior. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has to do with rewards. But there's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. Um, excuse me, the great white throne judgment. That's that day. And books will be opened, and the book of life is opened. And if their name is not found written in the book of life, they are cast into the lake of fire. Just because they said, Lord, Lord, and just because they did miracles, and just because they did all this other stuff, does not mean that they had believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And in this flow of the passage, it's false prophets. So look what it says. Many will say to me on that day, the day they stand at the great white throne judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? We used your name to talk about stuff. And in your name, we cast out demons. And in your name, we perform many miracles that I will declare to them, I never knew you. How can we tell? It's by their message. It's by their message. So realize that knowing them by their fruits in this passage deals with their message. False prophets, not their lifestyle, because they had a good lifestyle. I have to read this. I found this, and I thought it was pretty neat. There was a group of Harvard students who wanted to, famous, who wanted to fool their famous zoology professor. He was, he was known all over the world. And so they, what they did is one day, without him knowing about it, they got a lot of different bugs, and put, took, took them apart and then put, put them together. So they made a bug made out of a whole bunch of other bugs. And then they put it there and they said, Professor, we found this bug outside. We've never seen anything like this. Would you tell us what it is? And so he began to inspect it and they were all thinking, we got him fooled. And he said, I, I figured out what it is. And they said, what is it? He said, it's a humbug. Humbug. No such thing. You can't fool them. You've got to tell what the message is. When somebody is talking to you and somebody is telling you things, what is the message? The proper entrance, the narrow way. The prophet messenger is the good fruits, not the false prophets. And then he ends with this famous part, the proper foundation, the two foundations is the rock and the sand. And we've heard this forever. Build your house upon the rock. Okay, the rock is Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. What words? These last three chapters. He's not talking about this very thing. right. He's talking about what he's taught. 
But the bottom line is the very last part he's talking about, how do you enter? How do you get into the kingdom? You get into the kingdom through the narrow way, Jesus Christ. And so he says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, believes, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rock, is the, 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 the rock is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. He said, if you hear what I'm saying, if you come the narrow way, if you, make, if, you, if you make the proper profession or if you say the right thing, so to speak, he says, if you come the narrow way, you're building on the rock. So a wise man will take the things and build his life upon the rock. And what's going to happen? Well, the rain can come and the floods can come and the wind can blow and it's slammed against the house. It didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ. Listen, when you put your faith in Christ, it doesn't matter what happens. You have eternal life. The promise that Jesus Christ made to you is the moment you believe, he gives unto you eternal life and you shall never perish. You have eternal life no matter what comes through your life, no matter what happens, you're built on the rock, Jesus Christ. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, they don't come through the narrow way, they come through the broad way, will be like a foolish man who tried to build his house on sand. And the rain came and the floods came and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was its fall. When the foolish is built on the sand, it comes and it falls. So what are we seeing? There's a proper entrance to the narrow way, Jesus Christ. There's the proper message. It's the good fruits, not false prophets. There's a proper foundation. It is the rock, Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about this. There's one way to God, the narrow way. There's one message that saves, Jesus Christ. There is one foundation on which to build, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now he stopped teaching. What did they do? When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. The word amazed uh, literally means to be beside yourself. <laughs> it is, you know, I've heard people say, they were beside themselves. Well, the Greek word means to step out and go, wow, that's, that's messed me up. I'm even beside myself. And, and that's what the word means. That means to be shocked, awed, amazed. He was teaching them. Let me tell you what's so amazing. Notice the next verse. Why were they amazed at his teaching? For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, if I got up here and said, you know, I read a book this last week and I want to read to you from the book. And isn't there some great things here? And let me tell you what I found in my life. I found some really neat things that helped me. That's no authority whatsoever. I'm giving you my opinion and I'm telling you about somebody's book. But when you teach the word of God, it is the authority. And when Jesus taught, he taught as one authority because Jesus, the word of God, he is the living word of God who spoke the written word of God. And let me tell you, you want to have any kind of authority when you go out from here? You give them the Bible because it's the authority. You're not the authority. We're not the authority. Now, Jesus was because he's God. And he, was, he is the prophet, the priest, and the king. And so he was teaching as having authority and not as the scribes. You know, to, I, I, I keep up a lot with Jewish people. I love Jewish stuff and uh, read things all the time. And today, like if you, if you went to a Jewish person today, one who was religious, and you said, uh, Let me, tell me what you think about this, they would not go to the Tanakh because they don't know it. They would go to the writers who write about the Tanakh. That would be the same as if you came to me and you said, what do you think the Bible means in Matthew chapter 8? And I said, well, Swindoll, Swindoll says this, and uh, this pastor says this. Now, that's not what we do. You go back to the Bible. 
See, the, the scribes taught what everybody else taught. Jesus taught the Word of God. What are we supposed to do? Teach what everybody else teaches or teach what the Word of God says? We're supposed to teach the Word of God. So he closes this message by saying, there's the narrow way, the proper entrance, there's the good fruits, the proper messengers, there's the rock, which is the proper foundation, and it was... The results was they were amazed at his teaching because of his authority. So let's, let's realize, let's think about this. Let's realize there's only one way to God. There is a broad way, a broad way, and it leads to destruction. And that's religion, that's anything other than Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. He is the Savior. And if there's anyone in this room and you'd say, well, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I want you to know that right where you're sitting right now, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the Savior. He is the one who died for you and rose again. And when you put your faith in him, he gives to you eternal life. And you can know that you're saved the moment you believe in Jesus Christ. So just remember, there's only one way, and it is Jesus Christ. Second, be discerning. Listen to the message. There are a lot of people who look good, but their message is wrong. Their message is not biblical. That's one of the things you, why you've got to know the Bible, so that when you hear somebody, you've got to say, does that match the Bible or not match the Bible? That's why it's very important not just to say they look good and they sound kind of good. What is their message? And finally, last but not least, our security is in Jesus Christ. He is the rock. The moment we trust in Christ, the moment we enter through the narrow gate, our foundation and rock is Jesus Christ. And when the storm of life's come, we are anchored to the rock. He is our foundation. So may we proclaim that there's only one way of salvation, Jesus Christ. May we listen carefully to what people say so we can know if their message fits or not. And we are so thankful that when we trust in Jesus Christ, we are anchored to the rock.